for today's daf is Gimel in Betza. We are on Bet Amud Bet. We are two lines from the bottom. So we're still discussing this whole issue of what is the nature of the Gzerah. So the first interpretation of the nature of the Gzerah of not eating a, an egg that was born on Yom Tov was that it has to do with actually the issue of Muqtzeh, but we kind of dismissed that idea. And now we got on to, then we suggested the idea that has to do with Hachanad de Rabbah, which is sort of a variation of Muqtzeh. It's the idea that the uh, items have to be prepared in advance. Um, and we left that. And now we're moving to a couple of other interpretations, not, not rejecting actually Rabbah, not necessarily refuting him. In fact, there are Rishonim that uh, rule in accordance with Rabbah's interpretation. But, um, but all, alternative uh, suggestions. So Rabbi Yosef Amar Gzerah Mishum Perot Anoshrein. So Rabbi Yosef says that the reason why you can't eat an egg that is born on Yom Tov is because of the Gzerah that you can't eat a fruit that falls off of a tree on Shabbat. Just like you can't eat a fruit that falls off of a tree on Shabbat or on Yom Tov, you cannot do that. Uh, you can't eat an egg that fell out of a chicken, so to speak. In other words, it's, this, it's similar because it's like, a, it's like a fruit. It's like an edible thing that fell out and became available to you. So now, of course, what's the reasoning why you can't eat fruit that fell off of a tree? It's The only reason why you're not allowed to eat fruit that fell off a tree is because you might climb up the tree and take more. You taste some apple, it tastes very good, you climb up to get some more. But he that's already a If we add a we're doing what's called the, the, the problem of the mishmeret. You can't do a double gzera. You can't say you can't eat an egg that's born on Yom Tov because maybe if you do that, you'll eat an apple that fell off the tree on Shabbat and then you'll go and you'll take a tr- an apple off a tree on Shabbat. You can't do that. So that would be gzera gzera. So the Gemara answers its classic answer pretty much every time this issue is raised of gzera gzera. As far as I can remember, in the Shah, it's always the same answer. And the answer is It's all part of one gzera. In other words, it's not that we say that if you eat an egg that fell, that was, that was laid on Shabbat you're go- or Yom Tov, you're going to come to eat an apple that fell off a tree. And if you eat an apple that fell off a tree, you're going to pick the apple off a tree. That's not the issue. It, it means that when they made the gzerah that you can't eat an apple that fell off the tree, they included in that also things that are similar to it, such as an egg that, so to speak, fell out of a chicken. It's not two gzerot. It's really part of the same gzerah. Now, Tosfot actually asked the question of why can't you eat fruit that fell off of a tree on Yom Tov? After all, you're allowed to do ochel nefesh on Yom Tov. So what's the reason why you can't eat a fruit that fell off a tree on Yom Tov? And he brings sort of basically a drasha from a pasuk that it's, uh, when it speaks about not doing lachan Yom Tov, it says right after that, Ushmartem et matzot, that you should, be, you should guard the matzot. And that means only melachot on Yom Tov, beginning from the process of making matzah and on, are permitted on Yom Tov. That includes from basically the, pro, the beginning of kneading the dough or, and on. He says that's when, uh, that's when the mitzvah of, uh, uh, that's when the permission of ochel nefesh begins. So anything prior to that actually, according to Tosafot, is not under the, pro, uh, the permission of ochel nefesh, and that's why you wouldn't be allowed to pull an apple off of a tree on Yom Tov, even though it would seem that you should be able to. Now, um, some say that that's actually, that some dispute that, I'm, I'm not going into it right now, but uh, some say, no, it's actually an Isur de Rabbanan. It's not really, uh, actually, it would be permitted because of Ochel Nefesh, but it's not that there's a special Gzirat HaKatuv that limits the Ochel Nefesh. Hi, I see that Buzz Lightyear has joined us. We're going to infinity and beyond. That's very good. Now, 
we we have a. It's not that it's a. It's not that it's a deoraita, but it's a derabanan that uh, that there are reasons why because it's a commercial activity. Usually, it's done for commercial. But there's other reasons given why it's only a sort of derabanan. But let's let's not get distracted now. Rabbi Yitzchak He says no. It's not because of fruit that fell off a tree, but it's because of juice that seeped out of a fruit on Yom, on Shabbat or Yom Tov, but you're not allowed to drink it. Now again, so it's similar because something became, something came out of something else. In other words, it came from the place that was attached, became available to you. So um, it's like, a, it's the same thing. So he says, again, what's the reason why you can't partake of juice that oozed out of a fruit? on Shabbat or Yom Tov. That's the only reason is because Shema Yischot. The reason is because you might squeeze the fruit. Then what we're going to say? Uh, so he gufak zerah, that itself is only a decree. We're going to add another zerah onto it. Can't be. So therefore, again, same answer. In other words, there are three uh, basically three theories that have been advanced. One, well, the first one was rejected that it was about Muktzeh. Then, and that it was basically a, an application of the classic machloket between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda with regard to Moktzeh, we rejected that. We said maybe it's because of what Rabbah says, that foods that you partake of on Shabbat and Yom Tov have to be muhan. They have to be designated and prepared because of the importance of Shabbat and Yom Tov. Then we said, no, maybe it's because it's similar to a fruit that falls off a tree, or maybe it's similar to juice that oozes out of a fruit. And that's the reason for the Yisrael to Rabbanan. Now, there's a big difference because according to Rabbah, it's actually a Deoraita, and according to the other two opinions, it would only be a Deorabanan, a part of the Gzera related to fruits that fell or fruits that oozed. The reason why nobody accepted Rav Nachman's interpretation, which was what we said earlier, the first interpretation of the Gemara, which was the Muktzeh, that it's really just another application of Rabbi Shimon versus Rabbi Yehudan, the area of Muktzeh, was because of Kikushyan, because we had a problem that if it's just a classic application of Rabbi Shimon versus Rabbi Yehudan, then they should have used the example of the chicken and not the example of the egg. So the fact that they used the egg means it wasn't really about Muktzeh. Fine. Everybody didn't say, And people didn't accept Rabbah's chidush of this idea that food has to be prepared in advance for, um, for Shabbat and Yom Tov. It has to be prepared on a Yom Chol. They didn't accept that chidush of Rabbah, so therefore they didn't interpret that as the reason. Why didn't Rabbi Yosef accept Rabbi Yitzchak? In other words, you, you have two kind of like variations on the same theme. The fruit that fell off the tree, the fruit that oozed juice. Why pick one over the other to uh, compare it to the egg? So it says, first, why, did, why didn't Rabbi Yosef agree with Rabbi Yitzchak? The answer is, Because a, a, an egg is more similar to a food. Why would I want to compare it to a case of juice? that oozed out of a fruit. We're not talking about a juice, we're talking about an egg, it's a food. It should be more comparable to a fruit. Now, Rabbi Yitzchak, why didn't Rabbi Yitzchak agree with Rabbi Yosef? The reason is because a betza is similar to juice. Because a betza, an egg, is swallowed up inside of the chicken. Just like the juice is swallowed up inside the fruit. Unlike fruit, which is hanging on the tree. So you could compare, you could make an argument to compare it to a fruit that's hanging on a tree because both of them are evidence seen by the eye. 
Right? I'm, I'm sorry, the other way around. You can, make a, you can make a comparison between an egg and a fruit because both of them are, are foods. Or you can make a comparison between an egg and a, and a juice because both of them are absorbed in something else. Now, Rabbi Yochanan seems to agree with Rabbi Yitzchak's interpretation that it's similar to a fruit that oozed juice. How do we know that? Because... Because one time Rabbi Yochanan pointed out a contradiction between Rabbi Yochanan, uh, between Rabbi Yehudah in two places. And the only, this contradiction is only a contradiction if you assume that the Gzerah is based on fruit oozing juice. How so? Because, and then he gave an answer. What is the Mishnah? We, um, we learned this Mishnah, we came across this Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat, that if juice oozes out of fruit. You're not allowed to squeeze fruit on Shabbat. It's called, it's Melechid Dash, actually. Mifarek Dash. You're extracting something on Shabbat. You're not allowed to do that. However, if it oozed out, you might think you'd be able to take it. Okay, it, it, it seeped out, it oozed out on its own. But you can't because you might come to squeeze some more because you like that the juice is good, you squeeze some more and you're not allowed to do that. Therefore, Rabbi, but Rabbi Yudah says, Im lo'okhli, hayotemen mutar, dim lemashkin, hayotemen asur. Rabbi Yudah says it makes a difference what is the purpose of this fruit. Because if the fruit is an orange that you were going to squeeze for your fresh, freshly squeezed orange juice, and it oozed out some of its juice, then you're going to be tempted to squeeze it the rest of the way and get the rest of the juice out. But if it's, let's say, a fruit that you planned on eating and it started oozing a juice, it's a plum, you were going to eat the plum and some of the juice squeezed out, you're not going to go squeeze the rest of it out. You didn't want it to squeeze out. You didn't want that. So you're not going to squeeze it the rest of the way. So Rabbi Yehuda makes a distinction between fruits that ooze juice where you want the fruit for eating and where you want it for drinking. Okay? So now what's the point? That shows you that according to Rabbi Yehuda, foods are foods. In other words, once something is a food, the juice that became detached from the food is really just part of the food because we're going to eat the whole apple and the whole plum. And what happened was some of the juice oozed out. To you, that's not really juice. That was part of the food. So, so too, should we say about the chicken, right? Rabbi Yudan, another context said, a person can make a condition on a basket of fruits on Yom Tov Rishon for Yom Tov Sheni. Now, obviously, it's talking about Rosh Hashanah, right? And a person will take on the first day of Rosh Hashanah a basket of perot, that he did a basket of fruits that he did not tithe properly. And you're not allowed to tithe fruits on, you're not allowed to take maser and shwama and so on from fruits on Shabbat or Yom Tov. So the person said, if it is Shabbat, if it is Yom Tov today on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, then I'm not doing anything. But if it happens to be that tomorrow is really the first, is the real day of Rosh Hashanah, then I'm making a tithe because really it's Erev Rosh Hashanah today. And the next day does the same thing. He says, if yesterday was actually Chol and today is Rosh Hashanah, then I tithed the produce already yesterday. And if today is really Chol and yesterday was Rosh Hashanah, then I'm tithing it now. Right? So he can make a condition like that and either way he's allowed to eat it by the second day because for sure the tithing was done either yesterday or right now. That's And he says, similarly, if an egg was born on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, then on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, the person is allowed to partake of it. Why? Because if the first day was really Rosh Hashanah, then the second day really is not. And if the first day really was not, then the second day is, and it was born on the first day, so it was born on Chol. So either way, you're good. 
But the thing is, he says on the first day, in other words, if that egg was born on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, you can't eat it. So the question is, why is that different than fruit juice that became detached from the fruit? In both cases, a food is breaking up into another piece of food. What's the difference, right? Um shanei Rabbi Yochanan muchlefet ashita. In other words, but that Rabbi, the fact that Rabbi Yehuda only allows you to eat the beitzah on the second day shows you that he considers, even though the egg became detached from the food source, it is not necessarily true that you're allowed to partake of the egg. Whereas when it came to the fruit juice, he said that the fruit juice that became detached from the food, we still consider it a food. You can eat, you can drink the juice because it was just part of the food anyway. So how can you reconcile these? He said, And the way that Rashi and Tosafot both prefer the explanation is that it means switch around the opinion about the fruit juice. Meaning Rabbi, that the fruit juice case, Rabbi Uda is the strict one. He's the one that says that if the juice becomes detached from the fruit, no matter what, even if the fruit was for eating, we consider it to be prohibited for con- consumption. And that fits with the idea that the egg that became detached from the chicken is prohibited for consumption. And in the case of two days of Yom Tov, by the second day you have a safek, you have a doubt. So you're able to get away with eating it by the second day. That's the idea of uh, how Rabbi Yochanan interpreted Rabbi Yehuda. Now, in the, um, so now the thing is, from the fact that Rabbi, Yehuda, Rabbi Yochanan compared the cases of the egg and the case of the fruit, that means that what? It means that he must be viewing the gzerah of not eating the egg that was laid on Yom Tov Shabbat. He must be viewing it as the same gzerah as the uh, not partaking of the uh, juices that flowed from the fruit. Because Rabbi Yochanan is assuming that if Rabbi Yehuda holds one way about the fruit juices, he's going to hold the same way about the egg. So he must have assumed that that was the basis of the prohibition of the egg as well, just like Rabbi Yitzchak said. Rabbi Nama, Rabbi Nama says on, on Amud Bet, no, le'olam lo tepoch. Rabbi Yochanan is wrong. You don't have to assume that these two issues go together. Just because Rabbi Yehuda said, it could be that Rabbi Yehuda did say that you could take the juice that seeped out of the fruit, and he still says that you can't eat the egg. Why? Because Rabbi Yehuda was just playing devil's advocate against the rabbis. He wasn't saying his own opinion. Meaning, because really he holds what? He really holds that an egg that became detached from a chicken, okay, would be considered a, uh, or a, a uh, fruit juice rather, that became detached from a, uh, from, uh, from a, uh, from a fruit, it, he would say that it's just food detached from food. He says, but you should agree with me. He says, he says, and really I would hold that in both cases it's okay. In other words, really Rabbi Yehuda would say that whether it's the egg that became detached from the chicken or it's the fruit juice that came detached from the fruit, in both cases it's food. But you should at least agree with me that if the egg was born on the first day of Yom Tov, it should be permitted on the second day. Because the first day of Rosh Hashanah and the second day are two different days. So if it was born on the first day, either yesterday was Yom Tov and today is not, or yesterday wasn't and today is. Either way, I'm good eating the egg on the second day. The rabbis say, no, it's Yom Ha'arichta, like we say, it's one long day. And therefore you can't say that. In other words, according to this, the way that we reconcile Rabbi Yudan, Rabbi Yudan is by saying that in both cases he would actually be lenient. 
In both the case of the egg and in the case of the fruit juice, he was lenient. We don't have to fix one to fit the other. He was just playing devil's advocate when he said that by the second day the egg should be permitted. He was saying that to the rabbis. Even you rabbis who say that there's a problem eating the egg on the first day, at least agree with me by the second day it should be okay. Right? Now, and Ravina, uh, another Ravina, this is the son of Ravula, a different Ravina, had a different answer. He said, no. There's another simpler answer of why we can, how we can reconcile without changing any of the opinions of Rabbi Yehuda. Because maybe when Rabbi Yehuda was saying, and this should have been the most obvious answer, really, I think, to us, right? That the first time, when Rabbi Yehuda said the egg was prohibited on the first day and only permitted on the second day, he was just talking about a case where the, where the chicken was legadel betzim. It was a muktzeh chicken. So therefore, the egg wasn't food that separated from another food. It was something new. And therefore, it's going to be prohibited on the first day. If it ha- and that's different than juice that oozes out of a fruit. Because a fruit is a food, and the juice is a food. Right? Whereas when it comes to the chicken, we're talking about a chicken that isn't a food. It's a chicken that's only legadel betzim. So in a case where the chicken was la'achila, it was really for eating. So Rabbi Yehuda would say that the egg is fine too. So the point of the Gemara here is that even though Rabbi Yochanan endorsed Rabbi Yitzchak's interpretation of the Gzerah of the egg, that doesn't mean that we have to read Rabbi Yehuda that way. Could be that Rabbi Yehuda holds that it's an issue of muktzeh, and there, and he could be, it could be that he permits the egg, or it could be that he prohibits it in certain cases and permits it in other cases, and still would say that the juice that oozes out of a fruit is permitted. Now. The Metive um, raised an objection. It says whether an egg was born, was laid on Shabbat or Yom Tov, you can't move it because it's Muktzeh. Not to cover something, to use it as a cover for something, like to plug uh, the top of a jar. Not to, um, not to support a bed with it. I'd like to see somebody try that. So that would be an interesting trick. But um, to support a bed leg, let's see that, that would be interesting, right? Uh, but you can't do it. But you can cover the egg so it doesn't break. In other words, you don't have to let somebody trample on the egg. Cover it so it doesn't break for after the holiday. And, he, and it says, If it's a doubt, and we're assuming, it means if it's a doubt whether that egg was actually laid on Yom Tov or not, whether it was laid on Yom Tov or Rechol, if it was a safek, it's still prohibited. And Vimnitarobav it gets mixed up with a thousand, Kulan Asurot, they're all prohibited. So it's a problem because Now if the only way this is going to work is if you hold like Rabbah. Because Rabbah is the one that says that food for Shabbat and Yom Tov must be prepared on Chol. And therefore, if you have an egg that was laid on Yom Tov, it's an isur deoraita to eat it. It's a problem deoraita. It's a failure deoraita. So therefore, a safek would also be a sur. Right? However, But if you're holding like Rabbi Yitzchak, that it's, a, that it's based upon the decree of fruits that oozed juice on Shabbat, or if you hold like Rav Yosef that says it's based on fruits that fell from a tree on Shabbat, if you found a, tr- a, a fruit at the foot of the tree on Shabbat and you're not sure if it fell on Shabbat or, or, or Chol, it should be allowed because it's a safek, derabanan. It's a safek about a zerat derabanan. So really it should be the same here too. 
It should be a safek de Rabbanan, not deoraita. So what? So how can we say the safek is asur? Should be safek is mutar. So it says no. Sefa ataan the safek trefa. You know what? The end that says the safek is prohibited is not talking about the egg that was laid on Shabbat or Yom Tov. There is a hidden clause in this brayta. It's really referring to a safek trefa, an egg that might have been laid by a trefa chicken. Okay, but still we have a problem. So that's why if it's a safek, it's still a sur, because maybe it's a trefa, that's an isur de oraita to eat an egg. Anything that comes from a trefa or, an, or a non-kosher source is non-kosher. So the question is though, why would it be then if the egg gets mixed up with a thousand other eggs, they're all a sur? Why? This again only makes sense if you say that this is an egg that was born on Yom Tov or Shabbat. Therefore, it's what's called There's an expiration date on the prohibition. As soon as the Yom Tov is over, it becomes permitted anyway. So we cannot avail ourselves of the mechanism of Bitul. That's the rule of Okay, in fact, that's why the Rambam says that chametz is a, is a, is asur b'mashu, is not batel, because it's davar sheishlo matirin, right? So, the, so therefore, it, it, it only makes sense to say it would be not nullified if we're talking about a yom tov prohibition that becomes permitted afterwards. But if it doesn't become permitted afterwards, why would it not be batel and elef? That doesn't make any sense. So again, this is kind of a support, right? I elai amat davar if it's a uh, if it's a safek trefa, it should actually but be batel berov. Why berov? Because it's not a matter of ta'am. The only time we use shishim sixty times is when things are mixed together and the flavor is intermingled. But if we're dealing with independent entities such as pieces of meat that get mixed up with each other, we would say batel berov, not b'shishim. So really, the egg should be batel berov. The majority should nullify. Now, again, this seems to support Rabbah, because Rabbah is the one, number one, who said that the issue is in Isur del Raita, of not have, that the food was not prepared on Yom Chol. And, according to Rabbah, the whole issue expires once Yom Tov is over. But if you're going to go that it's a trefa, we're talking about, no, 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 that egg is a trefa, that's why the safek is prohibited, because of trefa. Then you're going to have to also explain why it's not batel. It should be batel two against one, forget about a thousand. So what does the Gemara say? No, that maybe you'll say an egg is chashuv. We know that, uh, like for example, anytime you have something which is an important thing, something important, it doesn't become batel. So maybe you'll say an egg is very significant. So therefore, it's a significant entity and, uh, and it's not batel. That won't work either because that makes sense according to the one that says that things are not batel if they are ever, if they're ever sold by individual units. But according to the one who says that no, all, the only thing that's considered important is something that is always sold, not by the kilo like they have here, and not by the pound like you have over there, but that is sold by individual items only. In other words, that they count piece by piece. Okay, like I went today to the store and, the, and, and, and they counted like uh, so the, the, the schnitzel they counted, each piece. Right, but other things they weighed in, right? So because schnitzel is davar chashuv here, it's considered, right? So, or, or challah, you go to buy a challah, 
They don't weigh the challah amit. They take one, two, how many did you take? Davar chashuv. Right? So something that is sometimes by weight and sometimes individual, we could say eggs fall under that category. But something that's always counted, I guess nowadays we always go by a dozen eggs or something like that. We do always count them. But then they sometimes did it by weight. So therefore you would say that it's not a davar chashuv. Right? If the only thing considered davar chashuv is something that's exclusively sold by the individual unit, then we're in trouble. It's not, as we learned in the Mishnah, if you have, um, you have like stocks of fenugreek, they usually translate tiltan. I have no idea what that is, but I remember from looking it up in the Jastro 35 years ago that it's, that it's fenugreek, whatever that is, some kind of a plant. Hey, if you have that, then it, it's kileya kerem, it's, and it's kileya kerem, it has to be burnt, because that's all bahana, I have to burn. Okay? Now, what happens if, you, and these are bundles, right? So they get mixed up in one group, and then they get mixed up in another group. There's a whole discussion with Rabbeinu Tam and the Tosafot here, how much of the first group has to get mixed up in the second group, is the whole thing, it's a whole thing. Some of it, most of it, that's the whole thing. But let's just say they get mixed up. Okay, Kulani There's no bitul is the point. According to Rabbi Meir, it doesn't become batil. So the first group, it all becomes asur. And then the second group becomes asur too. Now, Rabbi, uh, however, Because the rabbis say, no, it's batil one in 200. Because usually kilea kerem is batil 200 against one. Okay? That's the usual rule. But Rabbi Meir is saying that that's a davar chashuv. The bundle of fenugreek is sold by the individual. So therefore, it is chashuv. So, the, uh, so it says, Mikadesh. Because according to Rabbi Meir, anything which is counted is too chashuv to ever be batel. The rabbi said only six very, very important items are never batel. And Rabbi Akiva says seven. He says shiva. These are some kind of nuts from some place called perech. We don't know. I don't know exactly what that is. Rimone, badan. Pomegranates from badan. The chaviot stumot, closed barrels of wine. The chalfet tardin and um, spinach stalks. The kilchei kruv and um, and stalks of cabbage. Udlat yivanit and um, and the uh, gourd, the Greek gourd. The point is that they're saying items. Now that could be culturally dependent. Obviously, we don't even have any of these items as far as I know today. The idea is that whatever is considered like a prize item, it's a, it's a, it's a something you can only buy at Whole Foods. Okay, now you know what I'm talking about. Like you know those kinds of like items that. You can only, they're specialty items, okay? Specialty items, very expensive. Those are chashuv. Everything else is not chashuv according to the rabbis, okay? Rabbi Akiva Mosif, Avkikorot Shel Balabayit. I even mentioned that before, right? Loaves of bread also are considered chashuv, fine. But the point is only items that are very, very special are chashuv, okay? According to the chachamim. And Rabbi Yochanan said, V'itmar Allah, Rabbi Yochanan, Amaret Shedarkolim Nochaninu. According to Rabbi Yochanan, things that are things that are considered darko um, limnot. So, what is what did Rabbi Meir mean when he said things that are counted? So, according to uh, according to Rabbi Yochanan, et shedarko limnot, meaning something which is uh, counted is considered chashuv. Okay, meaning to say et shedarko limnot means that it's something which is sometimes counted. Kol shidar kolim not shaninu means something which is 
always counted. In other words, it's exclusively counted. It's not something that um, that kol shedarko limot shaninu means that. Uh, oh wait a second, I'm mixing it around, right? I'm reversing it. I think, right? Et shedarko limot means kol shedarko limot means that you. If you ever can, if you ever sell it by number, right? Etchedarko means that you only sell it by number, right? So Rabbi Yochanan is saying only things that you exclusively sell by number are going to be the things that are impervious to bitul. Etchedarko limnot. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Rabbi Lakish says no. Kol shedarko limnot. Even if you sometimes do it, it's going to not. It's going to have that status of being chashu. Hanichalu Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. So we understand Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish because eggs are something which are sometimes sold by number. Nowadays they're only sold by number, but they're sometimes sold by number even then. So therefore, it wouldn't be batel even be'elef because it's davar chashu. However, according to Rabbi Yochanan, what are we going to say about Rabbi Yochanan? Rabbi Yochanan says that something is chashuv only if it's exclusively sold by number. Eggs are not exclusively sold by number. So how could it be? It's not going to be batel afilo be'elef. It's impossible. Unless, of course, we go back, and of course, the, there's always an undercurrent. There's always a subtext of the Gemara's logic, which is, really, we're kind of leaning towards Rabbah, because Rabbah is the one that solves the problem. He says that it has to, that it's a deoraita. He says that it's a devar sheish lo matzirim, because it's only something related to Yom Tov. Maybe we could lean towards that. We're trying to defend that, no, it's really talking about a beitzat trefa. And, and, and because that's the only way that we'll have a deoraita, that the safek would be a sort to begin with. Right? So we want to hold on to the idea that it's a trefa, but it's not batel. Why is it not batel? According to Rabbi Shimon Lakish, we understand. It's not batel because it's sometimes counted. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, it would, it would be batel. So what do we do? So it says, no. He'll tell you, Amar Papa, Hai Tana, Tana Dilitra Kitsiotu. Rabbi Yochanan will tell you, you know what? According to me, and according to my interpretation of Rabbi Meir, the egg would be batel, would be in the same would be batel because it's not something exclusively sold by number. It would be batel, but the, but the brayta that we have here that says that the egg would not be batel is going by a different tana. Now I'm not wrong about my interpretation of Rabbi Meir. There's another tana which is of the litrak tziot, of the leader of pressed uh, figs. Who is that? It's not. Litrak tziot Oh, I mixed, missed the part. Because because he says that anything which is ever counted, even a derabanan, is never batel. Now, how do we. Who is that? It's not. Litrak tziot she derasal pi igul, veno de beze igul derasa. Al pi chavit, veno de bezo chavit derasa. Al pi kaveret, veno de bezo kaveret derasa. So, what happened was that the person took figs and they used to press them into like a big cake. And then they would slice pieces off and sell them. So it could be, they would sometimes squish it into a circular thing. They would squish it into a chavit, like a uh, barrel. They would squish it into a basket, a kaveret, whatever it was. He squished it in, but he doesn't remember which one he squished it in. And he never took truman maser from it. So now he has a problem with the entire thing that um, he knows that it's on top of one of them. But he doesn't know on top of which one. So the first issue is, if you want to use bitul... Can you include all of the figs that are in the case or only the tops of each one of the containers, right? That's question number one. Question number two, we're going to see is it batel at all? Okay, so he says, Rebbe Meir Omer, so Rebbe Meir's version of it is like this, that, um, that uh, Rebbe Eliezer says, According to Rabbi Eliezer, even though you know that the untied figs were pressed in to the top 
of one of these containers, okay, you can actually use all the figs that are involved in the case to be mevatel, that one slice, let's say, that's at the top of one of them, because since it's sold by the slice, it's like you come in and you ask for a slice of the fig. That's considered b'minyan also, according to this Tana, is the point, right? So you're going to cut it, it's going to, and, and, and it says, even though only the tops are b'safek, because you know that it's the top of one of them, you can use all the figs to be mevatel. Okay? However, Rabbi Yosho Omer, Im yesham me'apumim yalu, v'im la'av apumim asurin, v'ashulayim mutarin. Rabbi Yosho says, that's a very nice idea, but no. Since you need it to be batel in me'ah, because we're talking here about a case of trumat batel ben me'ah, right? So, in me, so you need a hundred times one. So you need a hundred tops. Only the top slice. So if there's a hundred baskets against the one, there's a hundred and one baskets, then you can say it's batel. And then Rashi says, in that case, what you do is, you, you know, you're, you're going to say that it's, uh, he says it's, it's actually Dirabanan only, because fruit truma is only Dirabanan. Right? Only certain things are Dirabanan, it's a whole long thing, but basically fruit truma is only Dirabanan. So therefore what you're going to do is you're going to say that only the tops are included in the safek, and only they are going to be mevatel. But the bottoms of every container will be, uh, will be permitted, because the bottom of every container you know is not one of the problematic ones. Okay? And there's a whole question, do you have to throw out one of the tops? Do you, can you use all that? That's, that's another issue. But now, Rabbi Yudah's version is different. So according to Rabbi Meir's version, Rabbi Eliezer says, just all the figs that are there, they're mevatel, that one top. According to Rabbi Yudah, no, only the tops are mevatel. Rabbi Yehuda has a different interpretation. Rabbi Eliezer In other words, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Eliezer's opinion is what Rabbi Yoshua's opinion is in the first version. Okay? That you have to only use the tops for the bitul, and then you have the most strict. Rabbi Yehuda, It won't work even if you have 300. Why? Now the interpretation is because since you cut a slice to give it out, even though right now it's squished into one entity, it's considered a davar minyan. It's considered something that's counted when you sell it. And even though it's only nisur Rabbanan, it's going to make everything uh, uh, problematic. Why? All of the pumin, it's saying, right? Because All of the tops. Why? Because they're all included in that safek and it cannot be batel because, the, uh, because it's something that's considered minyan. It's never going to be batel. According to everyone else, since it's not a distinct entity, it could be batel. According to him, it's still not going to be batel. And this is the opinion, according that what, what Rav Papa is saying is that Rabbi Yochanan will tell you, this is the opinion that's saying an egg wouldn't be batel. This very strict opinion. But we don't have to go by that opinion. Okay, now he says, well, there's an end to it though, which is, uh, it says, if he put it into one of the circular containers and he doesn't know which he squished it into, everyone says it could be batel. What do you mean everybody says? We just said it can't be. What do you mean everybody? Who's everybody? That's exactly the machloket. What do you mean everybody agrees? What he means is, In other words, if what you have is not a one of the tops is definitely all the prohibited, the prohibited fix, that's tevel, that was untied. But that you know it's the north part of one of them, or the south part of one of them, or the west part of one, or the right side, the left side. So since, you, since it's not one slice, in other words, everybody, even the most strict opinion says, 
then in order to be counted here as something significant, it has to at least be one distinct slice. If it's not one distinct slice, then you can, it, it's part, of, it's, it's on the north, it's the south, it's west, east, whatever. So then it could definitely become batil in that case, right? So, so Rashi says, the achshav enam nikarot, it's not distinct. They're stuck together. And he doesn't know exactly where it is. So in that case, So according to everyone, you can make it, it's considered mixed in with everything now. Because it doesn't have a distinct identity at all. When it was a whole slice, the top slice of one of them is definitely a sur. So now it becomes complicated. But when it's, when it's not the top slice, but it's a, it's a part of the top slice somewhere, you don't even know which part it would be of any given one. So now you can't say it's a distinct entity anymore. But the point is that even a slice from a cake of figs could be considered a counted entity and could not be batel. And Rabbi Yochanan will come along and tell you that that is the Tana that's saying an egg wouldn't be batel. If we're talking about an egg that's a trefa, it wouldn't be batel. But according to Rabbi Yochanan himself, since eggs are sometime, only sometimes sold by uh, individual unit, they would be batel in a mixture and would not need to, would not make everything else prohibited. There is one interesting point in the Tosfot on the previous uh, Amud that he also asked the question, why do you need um, the prohibition of taking fruit that fell off the tree, that you might pull down the, the tree, you might pull, go on the tree and pull another fruit if you take the fruit that fell. He says, why do you need that? It's already muktzeh from before Shabbat because it was attached to the tree. So he says that there could be cases where one or the other thing wouldn't apply, where the gzerah of maybe you'll go and take it off the tree wouldn't apply because it could be something that it's very difficult to extract from its place of growth. And it's not so easy to just pull it off and therefore you wouldn't accidentally pull it off and yet it would still be prohibited to take the item that became detached because of muktzeh. And there could be cases where it isn't muktzeh, such as where you have animals in that uh, field that eat from those trees all the time. So it's kind of their fruit already. It's designated for them already. And so it wouldn't be an issue of muktzeh necessarily, but it would still be an issue of shema yalevit losh, that the person might go and take another fruit for himself. And therefore he tries to find a place where they don't overlap. That, that otherwise the gzerot are overlapping each other. The muktzeh and the gzerot are overlapping. So he tries to find cases where one but not the other uh, would apply. So they both have a reason to exist basically. But Bezat Hashem, um, I'll try, what I'm going to try to do is for Shabbat to record Saturday night something, send it so everyone will have it, because I want to keep consistent, uh, everything consistent, and then Sunday we'll figure out what the best time is for everyone on Sunday, okay? Shabbat Shalom. I have, I'm going right to Mincha right now, it's starting five minutes. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.